Wow, so good job, church, at being in the church. Because church is not about the sermon necessarily. It's about the work of God that God's doing in the body. And the body of Christ is called by Jesus to take care of itself. I mean, in the sense that Jesus, through them, takes care of themselves. We're, we're called to grow together into the head who is Christ as each part does its work, right down to every supporting ligament, every cell of the body. And that's what this body has done this morning in prayer. You've done hard work of prayer. You've done work of praying and blessing me and Jackie in, in the ministry God's called us to here. And I do feel confident that God's called me here. We don't, of course, none of us knows 100% what God's purposes are in any situation. But God's called us here. And we're asking, seeking, and knocking. And we're very excited to see what God will do in the coming days as we seek after him together. And someone prayed for revival. Melinda, was that you? My heart is for revival as well. Sometimes when we pray for each other, it's like an empty cup pouring into an empty cup because we're just kind of empty. Sometimes we're just a very cleaned up version of the best, uh, the best we can be. You know, just a cleaned up version of a human. But God has a deeper dream for us. God wants to pour his very self into each of our lives. That's why I talk in this poetic way about the Advent wreath, making a straight path for the Lord. Uh, That's why I talk about seeking the Lord until he comes and showers his righteousness on you. As it says in Hosea, God has a deeper dream for us than just being really good humans. He has a God dream of us becoming his body and to be effective for him in the world. And to do that, he needs us to surrender to him and ask him to fill us and transform us, that we might be full cups pouring into each other uh, as a body and growing up into the head who is Christ. It's revival. Um, It's a dream that many people have prayed for, and we will pray for, and we will experience as we seek after the Lord Jesus uh, in this church. So we we have about five minutes left here together. And... um, (laughs) It's, it's awesome. You heard, the kids, you heard the kids' Bible story this morning. There's, uh, there's something really special in this story. And someday, maybe I'll tell you what it is. Uh, I'm going to tell you what it is right now. God had Christmas in mind from the beginning. This is my catchy phrase for you. I Googled it to make sure I really made it up. It's, just, it's so catchy. God had Christmas in mind from the beginning. We looked at the promised plan of God to send Jesus. In Genesis 3.15, God is giving the consequences to Adam and Eve of their sin in the garden when he's talking to them and the snake. He says, the serpent will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. There's a promise that someone would come and crush the work of Satan in the world. And that someone we saw last week is Jesus Christ. In the story of Abraham and Isaac, we see a shadow of the work of Jesus called the atonement. The atonement uh, is an idea that comes from two words, one Hebrew and one Greek. And so I'm taking a holistic uh, look at this idea of atonement. Uh, In Leviticus 17.11, the word for atonement here is kafar, and it means covering. It means covering. And this is hearkening back to Genesis 3.21 when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and God pronounced the curse and also the promise that the serpent's head would be crushed someday. He didn't leave it there. And I was going to read you the passage, but you can probably recall this. 
He sent them away from the garden, but he made them a covering of animal skins. He made them a covering of animal skins. And this was meant to be a shadow of what Jesus would ultimately do. When I was a little kid at Christmas time, my mom made my dad chocolate-covered pretzels for Christmas. She put them on a shelf in the laundry room. She said that we weren't supposed to eat them. And, of course, and I, I, I started working on them one by one until it came to the point that I could no longer honestly say that they wouldn't be noticed. And then, I, and then as, as most people who are like me, apparently, um, would do, I just said, well, it's, it's noticeable. May as well finish them off. And, uh, so, the, so there's an empty container of pretzel dust up there. And my, I'll never forget it. I was in the living room, exactly where I was, and uh, I guess pretending nothing had happened. And my mom said, did you eat your father's pretzels? And I was kind of innocent, a little kid, you know. It was, it arrested me. It was a feeling of shame that was so great. It was a feeling of shame that was so great. I'd never felt that secret lie, I got caught feeling before. And I imagine that's something of what Adam and Eve felt like when God reprimanded them in the garden. They'd never experienced that before either. So you take that image, you couple it with, uh, with this image. You know, you have those anxiety dreams where you're unclothed in public, and you would do anything to cover yourself up. You're in the dream freaking out. You're in your classroom. Uh, and you wake up with that same feeling of being uncovered, uh, of being found out. That's how Adam and Eve felt in the garden. We often gloss over the, the emotions of people in the Bible. We don't know what they were. This is how Adam and Eve felt. They were caught, uh, and, they, and they were naked, and they were ashamed, and they hid from God. God not only promised that Satan, that Satan would be crushed by Jesus someday, he also gave them a covering. And that covering was a comfort in their shame. It was something, it was something that, it was like a good parent that disciplines their child, however a parent disciplines their child, and afterwards says, I love you, and gives them a hug. It really is as simple as that. It's a, it's a comfort to, to shame. And he covered them and sent them away with the promise it's not always going to be this way. This is the idea that we have uh, covering from the Old Testament. And it's important to know that in God's mind, in God's way of doing things, you may not like it, but this is God. According to God, covering needs to be made by blood. This is very important. When we say that Jesus covers us and he is our atonement, we're talking about Jesus' blood covering us. In the Old Testament, this is how God has set, set things up. For the life of the creature is in its blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It's the blood that makes atonement for one's life. The blood of that sacrifice made atonement for one's life. So this is the, that, that Hebrew idea, kafar, atonement, covering. It's like that animal skin that God offered his children to cover their shame in the garden. The second word we get for atonement is from 1 John 2, 1 to 2. And this is a word, hilasmos, and this, is, this means propitiation. Some of your Bibles say propitiation. It means appeasement. It means one life for another. So it says, My dear children, I write, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. He is... He is the substitution, the appeasement for our sins, not only ours, but for the sins of the world. So these two ideas together is this idea of substitutionary atonement, a covering and a substitute offered to God's children. This is a a biblical idea. And this is, uh, in a very real way, 
and it, quite honestly, one of the most important concepts of Christianity, this idea of substitution and atonement, a covering of us with Jesus' blood and a substitute for us in Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross. And these are the ideas that we read about in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham offered Isaac uh, on, on the altar uh, to God. And it's a very confounding and difficult story uh, for us to grapple with. If you want to hear about a little more about it, you can look at a sermon I preached on September 6th about Abraham's faith. But if you look at this story, we see this amazing shadow of Jesus' work on the cross, the atonement, the substitution, the covering. Um, Abraham has walked his son up to the mountain. Abraham has laid him on the altar. And just as he's about to make the sacrifice, the angel of the Lord called out from heaven. This is Genesis 22:11. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God, because you have not withheld to me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. It's very difficult to imagine what, what this felt like to Abraham. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham was told to sacrifice his son. God said, stop. This was only a test. And God provided a substitute. This is a picture of what Jesus would do on the cross. A covering of our sin, a covering of our shame, the shame of public humiliation, the shame of being caught red-handed, and a substitute for anyone that would look to Jesus Christ in faith. For those of you who are Christians, who know the Lord Jesus, who have understood that Jesus is your substitute, in other words, the propitiation, uh, in other words, he is, the one, he is the one that God looks to when he decides about your righteousness. He looks, he looks to you, to, to Jesus instead of you. And so he sees Jesus' righteousness when he looks at you. This is something that's true of anyone who puts their faith in Christ. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you know, and you still deal with feelings of shame over things you've done in the past, um, or you deal with, with shame for things that you've done after you've known better as a Christian, <laughs> which is even worse, um, when you feel like you've sinned against the very grace of God because you knew better but you sinned, all of us have been in this boat. This idea of covering is for you this morning. The atonement is a covering for your sin. It covers over your sin. And we apprehend it through faith. We say, God, here's all the stuff that I struggle with. It's a complicated web of junk in my life. Some of it as recent as the last week, God, to be honest. Um, here's something I did that I really regret as a, as a, as a young man or woman uh, that has had consequences in my life. Here's these decisions and these sins. God, won't you cover them? Won't you cover them with your blood? And won't you make my emotional health my experience of spiritual health greater as you take on these things and cover them. That I might not hold on to them any longer. The blood of Jesus literally covers over our, sh- our shame, our sin. It covers over us 100%. It's an amazing thing. If you're a believer, there's no reason to live with that shame and sin 
it, it's, a, it's a vicious spiral because it might seem justified, like I should feel shame, I should feel all this about what I've done. But honestly, living in shame causes you to continue to live in sin because you feel so bad about it and then you go back to the things that caused shame in the beginning. It's best to have Jesus deal with it by his covering. Um, if you do not know Jesus, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved and women, uh, but by the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus was offered as a substitution for our sin. And not only for, not only for churchy people, this is my paraphrase of First John 2, not only for churchy, religious, Bible people, for the sins of the whole world. There's no one that Jesus didn't die for. And Jesus offers himself as a substitute for anyone who would look to him. Uh, so when the time comes when, you know, you, you've, you come before the judgment of God, and he looks at your life, and obviously we've all fallen short in many ways. But when you have faith in Jesus Christ as your substitute, God says, you're good. The merits of my son cover you. You are covered. You are substituted for. When I, missed, when I used to work at Dick's Sporting Goods, um, I was the only maintenance worker. And when I was sick, which didn't happen too often, I have to call other employees who weren't maintenance workers, who were retail people, to cover my maintenance job. So they had to clean toilets and scrub graffiti off the walls, all the stuff that I did for a few years there at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, they would... I'd call them up, I'd call my boss, I'd call up these people he gave me, and they would cover my shift and make a substitute for me in the workplace. This is a very, in a very real way of what, what you, God did for us. He covered us, he substituted for us. So if you're, whether you're a Christian, you know Christ, you need, to, you need to, by faith, take hold of this idea that your sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus, and it is enough. It's enough. If you don't know Jesus... There is only one name by which men and women can be saved, Jesus Christ. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. This is God's plan in its fruition, Jesus Christ. So I encourage you to put your faith in him this morning. I'm going to bless you as, as you go. As, as was said, we'd be happy to pray with anyone after this service. We'll have some people come forward to pray. And uh, again, well done being the church, really. This is what I love about this place. Uh, God has really put it on our hearts that church is not something you go to necessarily. It's something that you, you do. <laughs> it's an act. It's a verb. And I, I appreciate that very much about all of you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the, this day. I thank you for the, the requests that were made, the prayers that were offered up. Uh, I thank you for the way this church functioned as a body today. Um, most of all this morning, we, we thank you for Jesus Christ who is our covering, whose blood covers our sins, who is our substitute, who has taken our place, and has made propitiation, who has made us right with God, as you look to Jesus and pardon us. Uh, we thank you that you, you have provided this for us, not only for us in this place, but for the whole world. And we do pray that all the world would come to know Jesus, and that anyone here who doesn't know Jesus would come to know Jesus, that Christians here who are stuck in shame would come to know Jesus again, and be covered. What a comfort, Lord, your blood is to us. And Lord, we, I, I, I'll, echo that, I'll echo that prayer. We pray for revival, that we'd be full cups, that we would be more of you and less of us, not just cleaned up versions of ourselves. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Go and be the church.
If you need prayer, come forward.